welcome to the Destined for Success podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Takagi, and this podcast used to be called New Manager Media, Managed Right from the Start. Many of the concepts are the same, but there's a little shift. There's a shift because I know we are all destined for success, and I want to help you find the fastest, smoothest way to reach your highest best as quickly as possible. Join me in today's episode where you're going to come up with new ways to build your skills and influence others to make the impact you desire to make. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Welcome to Destined for Success. I'm your host, Jennifer Takagi, and I'm so excited today to have my friend, and I'm going to say also a mentor, Sherry Boyer. Sherry and I were in a mastermind group together, and I just, uh, I'm going to say this tongue in cheek, I followed her around like a puppy dog because she had all the things. She had done all the things. She was multiple steps ahead of me. And whether you're in leadership or an entrepreneur building your business, you've got to be watching people that are a few steps ahead so you know what to do and sometimes what not to do. So Sherry's bio is awfully impressive. So I'm just going to hit it really quickly and then we'll get into our conversation. In 2005, Sherry took $750 for those of you who thinks it take, think it takes a lot of money. $750 and started a dog training business in a small town of 2,500 people. Through sheer determination combined with initially not having a clue, the business grew until she busted out of her house and garage and into a 16,000 square foot facility for boarding, daycare, and training in Northern California. That $750 turned into millions, millions. Uh, and Sherry now has a very successful business teaching other people how to do the same thing. This kind of blew my mind. She's trained as anthropologists, can translate Japanese technical documents. My husband's a quarter Japanese, and anytime I start asking him anything, he's like, yeah, I don't know, and I don't care. Like, he's just no embracing of the culture whatsoever. Um, she's earned multiple uh, seven figures building a pet care business and now brings her expertise, humor, and deep insight and intuition into uh, to the most transformative work as an entrepreneur. Live and work in their deepest passions, honoring their soul's yearning while making a fantastic living. Okay, Sherry, it's, it is it's so much and it's so exciting and I always love talking to you and being around you. So, with my audience, we are typically leaders. We're often entrepreneurs. We're trying to make the next best step for what we're supposed to be doing. Where did you find the courage? Like, how did you decide you wanted to take $750 and start a dog business? A I, dog business? I know. I, I don't even know where the courage comes from. I have a lifetime pattern of stumbling into things that I can, I can do. And so I do them. And lately I'm not doing that so much anymore because I kept stumbling into new careers all along the way. That is the one that stuck. That is the one where I was able to do all the things that I really love to do. I love to work with people and I love to see their progress. This just happened to have a dog attached. And the dogs were easy. The people were what were not. And so it just kind of stuck. It was one of the 
careers I did that I loved and that I was able to do well. So it's, it's not, I didn't even seem courageous to me at the time. It just seemed like the next thing I was going to try because I had tried so many things. Like at one point I was selling magnets, like (laughs) (laughs) magnets, like magnetic health products, Jennifer. And so, like, what would you do with the magnet? Like, was you, this a magnet you, for like a foot, an insole that you put in your shoe? And oh, then, oh, oh, remember those? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So then there, there was all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I tried a little bit of everything, including translating Japanese technical documents, which was the most boring thing I've ever done in my entire life. I don't know how I lasted in that job, um, but yeah. The dog training thing stuck, but it didn't. It was typical of my brain. I'm pretty ADHD. I don't know where the H is though. The hyperactivity isn't really there. It's maybe in my mouth, but not in in my moving around, but definitely ADD. But like typical, I'm like, okay, I I've moved, I've grown out of my house. Now I have to grow into a building. Now I'm going to do this. And I didn't know how to do any of that. So I figured it out along the way, literally stumbling over myself and others, probably, hopefully not. And then, um, what then realized I had in order to make that work, I had to learn more. And so it's all to me is just learning. It's constant learning more than courage, I suppose. And that just kind of really hits home for me because like, I always thought up until, oh my gosh, I don't know. I was probably in my thirties. I just kept thinking I was going to arrive somewhere and and you just like barely arrive when you move on to the next thing. Like you're, you only arrive for like 37 seconds and then you're right. on to the next thing. And so when people say I'm a lifelong learner, that really means so much more to me now. And it's because we never arrive. We think, we think it's so good that you say that we think we have a goal, whatever the goal is, we're going to meet the goal. So we get to the goal and we're like, wait a minute. Wow. What? Now there's more. I have, there's a story, a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine tells a story. It's true. I knew her sister. Well, her older sister, her entire goal. So they grew up very, very poor and her entire goal goals were to have all the makeup she wanted, all of the nail polish she wanted and a nice boyfriend. So that, so as an adult, she's 20, 21, 22, 23, she became very successful screenwriter very, very successful. The one thing that meant anything to her was that now she had enough money to have the makeup and the, um, all the nail polish, but she never did get the really nice boyfriend. <laughs> so she's like, I thought I was there. I thought I was there, but there, there was, and there was, there was endless makeup and endless nail polish. And so then I had to keep buying more. And then I kept looking for the nice guy. Um, and I'm like, that's the whole thing with these goals, right? Like we don't really if you get there, there's always more or better or different, I think. And when we're setting the goal, the question is, how do you want to feel? Like, how do you want to feel when you get that makeup? Well, Mm -hmm. I want to feel confident on camera. I am a makeup girl. Um, Someone called me one day and said, uh, I think it was a phone conversation and, and she goes, well, I, I can't do a zoom call. Cause I'm not, I'm not ready. And I went, oh, okay, well then we'll just chat on the phone, which is what we did. Mm-hmm. And in the course of the conversation, I said, I've been working from home for years now. 
And it is extremely rare for me not to get up, take a shower, do my hair, do my makeup and put clothes on. My clothes might be t-shirt and, you know, yoga pants, but all I have to do to get on a Zoom call then is change my shirt, you know, if I, if I want to, if I feel that's necessary, but it's how it makes me feel. I feel more confident. I feel ready to go. Um, you know, some people say you don't really look that different with or without, doesn't really matter doesn't really matter it's how I feel that matters Mm -hmm. so like we do the things to get the feeling okay so she got the feeling of the hair the makeup the nails so much fun and then what like then what it was it was definitely a then what like that what's next her goal from when she was like probably 10 right this is the stuff that she wanted when she was 10 yeah it took her a while to get it she got it but she had never set another goal beyond that which i always found fascinating she has now she's learned that there was endless makeup endless nail polish colors endless all of that endless boys to date (laughs) um but yeah we 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 think we're going to get there where is there what is there 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 doesn't really exist well you had a feeling that we have on the way there and then we have to continue creating once we're there creating in order to feel i don't i'm kind of going all over the place but in order to feel fulfilled i suppose because maybe what we thought was gonna do it isn't what's doing it <laughs> well and it, and it just takes you to that next place like mm-hmm. i i was accused this summer um it almost hurt my feeling it almost hurt my feeling um I am a course junkie and I get it. I know I am. And I'm, I'm waiting for a call today to sign up for my next course to get my next certification. And it's not so much that I don't feel secure in what I do, how I do it, who I help, who I work with. Um, I did some amazing work Sunday night with a woman and like it was magical and powerful. And I walked away just going, wow, like that, that is why I get up in the morning. But I want to add one more thing to it. I want to learn something else. I mean, I've probably learned more in the last seven years since I walked away from my government job than I had in the previous 20 years about self-development, right? Because there it was all technical stuff. And now it's like how to how to like show up in the world. How do you want to show up? And so it just keeps becoming the next thing. And I remember right after I graduated from college, I moved back home with my parents because I had a job that was close to their house versus where I lived um, on campus. And my sister, my older sister, one of them's eight years older. She called me and she goes, mom and dad are so worried about you. I said, well, why are they worried about me? And she goes, you come home from work, you eat dinner, you watch TV and you go to bed. And they just don't think for a 22 year old, that's much of a life. And I said, I've been tired for the last four years. Like (laughs) I'm just trying to recover from college, you know, working and dating and going to class and, you know, all the things. And I was like, I'm just tired. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not depressed. I'm not sad. I'm just freaking tired. But, you know, I thought I had arrived. Mm. And I've, I've talked about this in podcasts before that I always thought, you know, you graduate from college, you get a job, that's it. You know, you've arrived. Yeah. And it was like, wait, what? And the funny thing about that is we moved so much as a kid. 
-hmm. that I had nothing stagnant ever. I mean, I went to two schools for kindergarten, one first through fourth, one for fifth, one for sixth, one for seventh, eighth, ninth, one for 10th, one for 11th and 12th. Sound like me. That's funny. I didn't know this about you. Wow. And and so people say, oh, I don't want my kids to go to another school. And I'm like, what the hell? I made more friends. Every time I hear somebody say that, I'm like, what? I don't even know what that would be like to go to the same school, the same school and then the same school at what? No, no. Kids are far more, far more resilient than uh, people will make them out to be. (laughs) Well, and you know, that resiliency is something I love to talk about because that's a learned skill. It is. is. And I have found people who don't lose to death a loved one until they're like in their fifties and sometimes sixties before a parent or a grandparent will die. And they kind of don't recover. Many many people that happens to, they can't, they can't fathom the being without. Yeah. They can only fathom the being with. and, And the loss can also be within your, your job, whether it's mm-hmm. entrepreneurship, you know, you lose your business. Um, I've heard of people, their partner came in and stole all the money in the, you know, mm-hmm. the dark of the night. And um, yeah. literally somebody very close to me um, had surgery. And while she was out on surgery, the two male partners came in and moved the bank accounts and then oh she, she had no money. Oh. Like it was just gone. Oh, um, so mean. So you always have to like protect yourself and always, yep. you, know, you don't want to think the worst of people, but you know, what if the worst happened? Let me make sure I have my documents. That's, I say that all the time to business owners. I'm like, I know you think they're your friend and they are to an extent, but the other piece of this is business and you have to protect yourself with documentation, good documentation, yeah, agreements and contracts, because I have personally had really terrible things happen and I've seen so many bad things happen in relationships where it never should have, there should have been basic respect, but it sometimes goes away. And if you don't have basic respect, mm-hmm. um, you absolutely have to have the documents in correct, place, right. To protect. And, then, and then there's a lot of people are hesitant to do that. And I'm like, well, the thing about it is if, if there is, the respect is there, then the other people will be happy to sign the document. Yeah. Yeah. So because it's business, <laughs> it this is business. This is business. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's right. That's almost like if you're going into business with someone, it is almost like a marriage. Uh, it is a marriage, but it's, it's business, right? It business. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. total business. So in all your journeys mm-hmm. and you landed on the fact, and I'm putting words in your mouth. So, you know, just correct them. You landed in a place where you just wanted to help other people. I've and you always wanted always been there. I think. Yeah. Um, and I landed, and I landed in a place where I could do it, do it with impact. I think, with greater impact. And that's yeah. with your coaching business. And that. So what happened with my dog business is, I was. I'm pretty mouthy, <laughs> out on the, the the social medias, sort of in different places. But I'm I'm a little opinionated. I'm diplomatic about it always. But people in a certain group of dog business owners were attracted to the way I answered questions. And so that's, I started to build my business without meaning to, without having a consulting business for business owners, just by um, teaching people how to think about the business differently, maybe not with not so much emotion, a lot of emotion in business. Why do people act that way? Why do people do this? Well, I don't know why, 
We can go down the psychology hole if we want, but the fact is they are acting that way. So how do we preempt it? How do we da da da? So people started following me and I had actually, because I'm always interested in learning. Oh, this is a, a small aside. I remember reading an article. I lived in Japan in the nineties. And I remember reading an article in 1992, I think in the Japan times about coaching as a business model, as a business that people could do. And I thought that was so fascinating. I'm like, you could make money helping people live a better life. That's amazing. So sometime in 2011 or 2012, I took a course in coaching, how to be a coach and loved it. And so then I kept taking more courses because me, like you, I'm a course junkie. I'll go. I don't care about the certification on the other side. I just want the learning that I get while I'm doing it. So I also knew not just about the business side, but also about how to help people get to a the place they say they want to go, which is that there, right? <laughs> the place they say they want to go and then further beyond that. Um, and so people started go, hey, can I get some advice from you? And so I ended up creating a coaching business just based on the fact that I had opened my mouth or typed things. And then it just went from there. And I had always, another thing that I had read, so I'd read that article and then Sometime in the 90s, like I was in Japan teaching English, having a good time. And every time I'd come back to the States, I would haul a big bag of books. I would actually send it back. A bag used to be in a bag, like it looks like an army bag, um, a book bag, books by mail. It's book rate. I would mail a huge bag of books back to Japan and read them. And one of the books I bought was called um, The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. You've heard I of that. I just read right? that. Yeah. Did you just read it? Yeah. So I read it in the nineties when I was teaching English and drinking beer in Japan. I, had, no, I was like, I don't have a business, but this looks like an interesting book. Well, that book was like, oh, oh, I started seeing small businesses everywhere just doing it wrong. I'm like, you don't have any systems. You don't have anything. So I knew that as soon as I opened my, my, as soon as my dog business got bigger, I was like, oh, this is a real thing. It's happening. I'm successful. It's going to get bigger. I knew I had to put into place the things that Michael Gerber taught, which were operation, like operating procedures, SOPs, to, so that I couldn't be in the, didn't have to be in the business all the time doing all of the things. And so that's the other thing that people started hiring me for was to help teach them that. And it's highly amusing to me that I have, I have pretty bad ADD, but I created a business, a business with all of these systems and processes in place in order to run the business really well which is something ADD people don't necessarily do well, but I did it so that I could go do other things and keep the business running. If that makes sense. Because you needed to hop on to the next thing. I needed to hop onto the next thing because my yep. brain will hop onto the next thing always. And so, <laughs> but I created it because I didn't want that business to fail. It was a lot, there was a lot writing on it. It was a big rent, a big lease, a big, oh, there was a lot writing on everything. Plus people, people were writing on it. Like I had employees who needed to be paid. Like they always got paid first. They got paid first rent second, me, maybe never, but eventually I figured out how to make that happen. And I made that happen as well. But so when people talk about business owners being the bad ball, blah, blah, I'm like, what? Most business owners I know are not even paying themselves. They're paying their people first. So just stop that. But that's an aside. Um, the, I don't even know where we're going. So anyway, then I knew at one point I wanted to sell that business. I could feel, cause I lived in California, California and I don't get along. Um, we never did. I moved there in 2000 and I never did like it. I was like, this is not my home. And there was a multiple other reasons which I go, won't go into here, but I knew I wanted to sell the business. So as I was selling it, I actually just naturally started getting more and more clients hiring me for coaching, for business coaching. 
So now that's all I do is the business coaching, which I love because it's always something different. It's always something different. And yeah. I want to, I want to say this word with the utmost respect for what it means to me. And that is it's easy for you. And when I say easy, we, we are raised and trained and our society says everything has to be hard, right? But it doesn't, it can be ease and flow. Like you can share your gifts with the world Mm -hmm. and help other people. Yes whatever those gifts are. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be hard. That's a myth. Although it's not always easy because we don't always know what we're doing. Right. And so there's like rocks or uh, ridges. Stumbles. We're going to have stumbles. Yes. Yes. We're going to have looks like a boulder might not even be a boulder. There might be a path right around the boulder. You can just go around it. If somebody helps you see it. Yeah. If somebody helps you see the path. Yeah, that's true. But it doesn't, I think, um, I'm just thinking of, of the people in my life Mm -hmm. and I always hear how everything is so hard. Like they live their life on a treadmill that's set like at the speed of 10 and the, you know, the pitch thing at seven or whatever. And everything is, is drama and everything is hard. And I just want to say, not everything is. Like you're going to have that stumbling block. You're going to have that thing you have to figure out, but you learn what you need to learn. And yeah. Well, if, I mean, if people want to, they learn what they want, they need to learn. Right. A lot of people do get in that pattern of it has to be hard. So they create more hard without realizing they're creating more hard because they think it has to be hard. So therefore it is. And then the drama piece, Oh, I teach on that with all of my business owners. Oh my gosh. The drama. We ditch the drama when we stop playing in the drama. It's miracles happen. So on ditch the drama. Yeah. I love that. So those of you who've listened to my podcast for a while, you know, we just go where we go. I mean, that's my structure. We go where we go. I love it. So like, what is one thing if we find ourselves caught in the drama, because I think I'm not in the drama and then I end up in the middle of the drama and I'm like, oh, I need to back out of this. Like what's one thing? to keep us either out of the drama or get out as quickly as possible. So the one thing is to notice it when it's happening. And um, I teach on drama triangle a lot. It's certainly not my concept, but the, there's always three positions and the triangle, the drama triangle is there's two positions at the top and one at the bottom. And when you start to notice it, you're like, Oh, there it is. I mean, I'm playing a part or somebody has assigned you a part. So there's three pieces to the drama trying I do it this way upside down. It's actually, so you have a perpetrator, a rescuer and a victim in the drama triangle. And you can see it in any drama thing that's going on out there. They're the victim now, and I'm not talking about a real victim of somebody who has been attacked or shot at, or I'm not talking about that kind of a victim. I'm not talking about the victim of a crime right now. I just want to be very clear on that. I'm talking about how people set themselves up in um, relationships of, oh, I have a problem, help me. And then somebody comes in and swoops in and rescues them. There's always a third position, the, the person with the location or the place that's causing the problem. So the rescuer and the victim will be pointing their fingers at the place or person that caused the problem. And if often you can be assigned that position if you're not careful, you don't take the position on purpose in this triangle. And the way it's taught a lot and the original teachings on it, I find, I don't find are super helpful because people, 
because they it's assumed that there's a perpetrator doing somebody doing something bad on purpose but usually the person that somebody they're like they did this thing to me and da, 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 da. that person maybe never actually even did that thing or they didn't do it with that intention there was nothing mean behind it and so but that position has to exist in order for a victim and a rescuer to be there and so one of the things i did this with my own employees all the time i do it with all of my business owners to have them do with their employees is to notice when it's happening notice when somebody is not taking responsibility for something they said they were going to do notice when somebody swoops in to rescue them and notice who they are pointing the finger at and if it's you having the finger pointed at you you just all you have to do is remove yourself by not engaging any further and i think in and the rescuer person if I can speak to this really quickly, this is something that's not talked about a lot. The rescuer is trying to help. And I'm, a, I'm like a lifelong rescuer person. I jump in there, I wanna help so bad. But my moment of jumping in and helping this person completely disempowers them. I was just- Were you just gonna say that? Why were you gonna say disempower? Cause that's, you know, like one step ahead of where I was, but just the fact, I think I lived much yeah. of my career as yep. the rescuer. Yep. Same. And, and I had, um, the last eight years of my career, I truly had a, a perpetrator, mm. um, totally evil person. Mm. And like somebody always fell victim to her mm. and her, you know, evil. She was a real actual perpetrator. Yeah. Yes. She was an actual perpetrator, mm. but then the victims like, and, and I ended up a victim at the end. Cause I just was too tired to, to fight it anymore. But yeah, like I, I continually went in trying to rescue the victims yep. so that they could like, basically. You were probably trying to warn them of what was going on. They're like, warning, warning. <laughs> that's a hard one. So that's a really hard one in a job that has some sort of security. Like I think where you worked, there was, yeah. that person had some sort of security. And so in order for you to not be under that person, you had to go lateral or higher or to a completely different department, right? Would that takes a lot of courage and a lot of maneuvering around the personalities and the politics in that. That kind of drama is kind of difficult when you've got somebody in power who's literally doing perpetrating things. Yeah, I had a conversation with a counselor once and she goes, Jennifer, you need to move. And I, you know, I went through all the reasons um, mm -hmm. why that wasn't gonna work for me. And she's, what, how did she put it? Um, you're sabotaging yourself and you're making yep. yourself a victim at this point because you have options. You just don't like them. It was so good. That's so good. And nobody wants to hear that, but it's true. Yeah. Like at the time you thought you didn't have options, but you did. And we actually do usually have options. We just, it's uncomfortable to think about moving out of the weird comfort of the discomfort. Like we're not comfortable being here, the victim of this person, but we have a choice and can move. We just have to do it. We just have to do it. And I was fortunate enough. Mm -hmm. um, number one, she gave me some really fabulous coping skills. So that was, you know, monumentally mm -hmm. helpful. Uh, but then the second piece was I was fortunate enough. There was a major reorgan I got to leave. So you know, she's destroying lives yeah. elsewhere and it's not mine. That's but so now I can use those stories. <laughs> They're yes, great. You can. <laughs> well, the, the, going back to not to take it away from you, but going back to like if somebody's stuck in a drama, something somewhere, 
Somebody told me once there's one word that's such a good word. It's one word you can use to not get yourself entangled anymore in the story or anything. And it's, it's two letters and that is the word, oh, oh. And it takes the fire out of where, like there's so much gossip and people telling stories and this and that and the other. And if you go, oh, that it doesn't give them anything to continue playing with really. And you didn't, you didn't do anything bad. You just didn't play. And, and you didn't inflame I it do this, further. I do this. So I have a family, not mine, but a family that I'm married into that has some drama. And I have learned how to just not play with it. And I'm just like, oh, like there are times when the phone will be on speakerphone. I'll be listening to the story. And if there's ever a break, I just say, oh, so guess what? They don't call me and tell me stories anymore. Because <laughs> it's not fun because you don't have not anything fun. to say. Because I don't, I don't play into the game at all. I don't play into it. They just go find other people to tell the story to. <laughs> well, and that was one of the, and, and oh, it was, is excellent. I wrote that down and I'll, you know. I love that word. You know, that's really great. Um, what she suggested to me was mm -hmm. don't respond. Yeah. And I was like, so if she asked me a question, like, how do you not respond when somebody asks you a direct question? Like, don't I have to say something? No. Nope. She said, well, the problem is you defend yourself. Yeah. And the more you talk, the more ammunition you share. Yeah. So what you need to do is say, oh, huh, <laughs> I didn't, I, I don't really recall it that way. And, and it just kind of dissipates. And she goes, but yep. be sure if she asks you or tells you to do something, don't ever say I'll have it by Friday because chances are she'll forget she even asked for it. If she doesn't give the deadline, don't create the deadline yourself. Just I love that. Just let it drop. And so I love that. My this horrible interaction. Um, they gave me three weeks notice to have a conversation about my conduct. Is that is there anything more? That's a like, little awful, stressful, terrible. It, it was, and that's why I went to see the um, counselor. And she said, just don't say anything. And mm -hmm. at the beginning, I just sat there not saying anything. She goes, breathe. Okay, helpful hint for the listeners. If you're in a stressful situation, you typically end up holding your breath, whether you mean to or not. Yep. And when you're not breathing, you can't have a thought. If you can't mm -hmm. have a thought, you cannot have a reasonable response if one is needed or even reasonable enough to know it's not needed and to say the O. Oh. And she goes, just sit there and breathe, just concentrate on your breathing. Let her, you know, show her ass and do her bullshit and just listen. And so I just sat there and I was breathing and I'm a note taker, avid note taker. I was writing down pretty much everything that was being said. And she finally looked at me and said, are you just going to sit there and look at me? And I said, you've had three weeks to prepare for this meeting and I had no idea what the topic was. So I'm just taking it in. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It takes all the power are the away. You don't know. Like you don't know, don't know because we're not, we're not trained. We, that way. We're not trained. That's right. Uh, there's something like what you just said. If you let them speak first, you basically kind of win the silent negotiation because <laughs> now they're giving you all the ammo yeah yeah and <laughs> throw back or not to take notes on mm -hmm. yeah it was it's, just like oh. oh how funny it, it was quite the deal but that whole drama thing i'm sure i took way too much time trying to 
rescue people and save them from the perpetrator oh, probably because that i mean you because you had been perpetrated by that person and it feels good to be in the rescue mode and and like how do you do it where you're empowering people and not disempowering people i'm always thinking about that because it's not like we don't want to help people we want people to have information or access to information that is helpful for them right we can't do it for them that's the piece that i think a lot of people mistake and I, I read a magazine article years ago and I, I've used this, you know, don't you love it when you read something and it like resonates so well? Yeah. And I think it was Red Book. <laughs> and a woman wrote in to the editor and said, I have this problem with my older sister. She's single, never been married. I'm married with two small kids and my sister's jealous of me. And every time I suggest like, you know, going out with this guy or that guy, or she calls upset about the guy she's dating and I have suggestions. She, it's always no, you know, it's not going to work. It's not good. No, 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 no. And you can translate that into the office. What if you did this? What if you did that? And it's no, no, no. You know, you don't understand. It's never going to work. And the, the editor <laughs> said, the problem is she wants to give you all the power, all her power to solve her problem. But then when you take the power, she immediately snatches it back by saying, no, that won't work. Right. So your response needs to be, you're a very smart woman and you have all the skills in the world. I'm sure you're going to find the proper response or answer or whatever. Yeah. Yep. And it was like, wow. Uh-huh. Because then you're not taking ownership of it because nope. what pisses us off greater? Have somebody come run and choose and then they don't take our yep. advice. Yep. I'm just offended. Why did you ask me if you're not going to do it? <laughs> I've learned to let that go. I mean, good. I was going to say good. That should, yeah, that <laughs> people really what people want to do is vent. So I think people want to be heard. They want to vent and be heard. And we rescuers jump in giving advice and they never even asked for advice. So we've taken the, um, the assumption that they're asking for advice and they're not, they just want to complain. And sometimes it's okay. Like my husband and I do that. We've learned to do that. Are you venting or are you wanting suggestions? Because if we don't say we're venting, the other one is like, rah, 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 you can do this, you can do that. And we're like, that's not what I wanted. I just wanted to whine. Um, but, and so I think it's really a crucial distinction to know if that's what people are you just wanting to let it all out. Cause sure. I'll listen to you. And then I'll say, I'm sure you'll find, I'm sure you'll find the right path for yourself. And in my household, we call it a fantasy conversation. Oh, that's nice. Cause my husband will come in and go, this happened today. And I'm going to call him back and I'm going to say this. And I let him go on and I'll say, that's a really good fantasy conversation, but we both know that's never going to happen. Right. Like <laughs> I want to be clear. You're not really going to do that. <laughs> so now he'll get, he'll, he'll do, you know, whatever has frustrated him and I'll go and, and he'll go. Yeah. It's just a fantasy conversation, Jennifer. I just, that's hilarious. Same kind of thing. Are you actually yeah. going to do it? Um, and oh, I yeah. have learned to do that. And in the coaching world, that's such mm -hmm. a powerful thing. When you go to a coach and share information, when they actually will say, 
did you want me to weigh in on that or were you just kind of sorting it all out because sometimes we need to say it out loud yeah and then it sorts itself out yeah yeah yes let's just sort this yeah. all out and oh wait okay now i have the answer mm -hmm. now i get it yeah mm -hmm. but people I think that's where a lot of the frustration in the world is right now because people want to be heard and they feel that they're not. Right. Yep. It is. I think you're definitely onto something there. I think it's one of the biggest issues that we have. And so people, when they don't feel heard, they scream louder and they complain louder. And I'm not sure how to help them feel more heard. I don't know. Um, it's interesting to watch, though. And it's interesting to see it on Facebook. Um, mm -hmm. That's the social media platform I'm on more than mm -hmm. any. I, I, I mean, I hop around them, but I see more on, on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And you think, wow, they're full of a lot of anger. Mm -hmm. And you can't have a conversation with them because they're right. And unless you disagree with them, there's no. Yeah, and so it's, it's wise to know what you're walking into if you're going to walk into it, right? <laughs> and, and to not walk into something that is obviously one way with hope that it's going to go a different way. Um, yeah. yeah, we could go down that road for a while. We could stay in that rabbit yeah. hole forever. So mm -hmm. if somebody were in a new leadership role, yes, or they were a newer entrepreneur, which of mm -hmm. course is nothing but leadership, you know, it's all leadership all day long, self-leadership first. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So um, what's like one thing you want to leave us with? Oh, golly, you just hit me with that. That's so I funny. know. Um, so note, so what I just said, I think self-leadership, notice what frustrates you. And then also notice if you're not doing the same thing, potentially in different places, <laughs> so a little bit of mirror work, notice, um, also, that if you're heading into entrepreneurship for the first time or leadership positions for the first time, you have to surround yourself with team who are not like you. And if we try to bring people onto team or if we have a lot of people on our team who are very much like us, that might get frustrating really quickly. Like everybody has different um, strengths and different weaknesses. And to admit that we don't have all of them is really important, but that we don't have all of the strengths and everybody else has all of the weaknesses is really important, I think. You know, okay. that just falls in line with put on your big girl panties. Yes. Yeah. Um, big boy shorts, whichever. Like I know it's my husband's and my husband's job. He's got a new boss. He's this guy who was his coworker before. My husband has no interest in taking a leadership position, a management of other people position, but they moved his manager up. And so somebody had to step into his manager's position. And this guy is a great engineer. He's not a good leader though. And a lot of leaders land in leadership positions without knowing how to lead. And so what he's doing instead is micromanaging because he's, I mean, and it's, the intention is well-intended. He wants to make sure everything is going fine because now it's riding on him. Yeah. Um, when it was all going fine before. And now all of a sudden. <laughs> right. And yeah. so uh, the, the non-manager person is about to have a conversation with the manager person about potentially how to manage better, which is to not manage more. Well, and, you know, my thing, the 
which is a hard position to be a hard realization. Well, it is. And I do training for the state of Oklahoma and I do quite a few different types of leadership type Mm -hmm. trainings. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I try to bring up every time and the people who've been in multiple classes are like, God, is Jennifer ever going to quit saying that? And it's set milestones. Oh, yes. You know, don't give them something on Monday, do Friday, and then go in Tuesday morning. Where are you on that? Wednesday morning, where are you on that? Thursday, I want a complete outline so that I know you're going to be done Friday. Monday, say, I'm going to touch base with you Wednesday at noon. See where you are. See if I can be of any assistance and the progress of the the project. Because they may not know how critical it is. They may not know they need to drop everything and start working on it. So they have, you know, a start of a product Wednesday, but instead we just check in every day and hover and make them miserable. Whereas if we set milestones and they knew it, you know, maybe it's a six month deal. I'm going to check with you once a month, the first of the month, let's, let's have a brainstorming session, see where you are. And if I can support you in any way. Right. It's not to say you're not doing your stuff. It's right. It's the other is how can I support you? How can I support you in getting this done? And I think it really depends. Like if somebody's already in um, positions in a, in a organization that already has positions and they're moving into leadership, that's going to be very different than somebody who is an entrepreneur starting a business and bringing team on. I think they're very, very different. So when you're in an organization that already has people doing things and somebody becomes a new leader in that, there's a huge dynamic that's already going on that if they don't take that into consideration, it's going to become a drama Some people are excellent technicians. Yes, but they're not excellent. And they're just the next in line Mm -hmm. to get the leadership role. But most organizations and especially government organizations, they do nothing to prepare them. They just oh, throw sure. to the wall. Yeah. 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 I think they do that. Like the, the company, my husband's at, they're, they're like putting, they put all the new managers through management training. It doesn't seem to make one whit of difference. I don't think the management training, I think the management training they're doing is metrics based, not human based. So I ran into that with the federal government because yeah. I would go to training and it was how to do progressive discipline. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't even want to get to the discipline phase. Can we not do something? Can we get there before that? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yes. or how to put in their, their yearly reviews and, and um, you know, mid-year reviews. Okay. Okay. Like that's a technical thing. Like, I mean, that's technical. That Where's the day-to-day? How do I lead these people, motivate them and inspire them? Yeah. So they want to do the work. That's right. <laughs> so and if you, if you, yeah. We could be on these rabbit holes for five days. So I just want to say, I, um, I love the fact that you started to wrap us up a little bit, um, that you just really had a lifetime ability, a skill to stumble into the next great thing. I just love that because that kind of, sometimes that's what we do. I, I, here are young people battling about what to do in college and, and they have to have it all figured out by the end of their junior year. That just blows my mind, that concept. Like, wait a minute, I was 42. And and I say, unless you want to be something like a doctor, an engineer, an accountant, there are some things that you absolutely have to know, right? Because you've got to start early on training for those things. 
But for the most of us, you know, I did not know I wanted to be a federal employee. I did not know I wanted to go into housing, right? I stumbled into it and I was very successful. But I mean, I'm like, why don't you pick what you love to do and you're good at? Because it doesn't do any good if you're terrible at it, you know, and study that. But I love that, you know, you have this lifelong ability to, you know, find the next best thing, whether you were looking for it or not. System and operations, like if you don't have it lined out how it's going to happen, um, I believe it was in that book, The E-Myth, and it was like, set up your business as if you're going to franchise it out. That's right. Make sure most, the majority of people who start businesses don't do that. People who buy franchises do that because it's built into the franchise, but people who start a business often are doing it because they love the topic or the, the thing, and then they realize three or four or five years later, like, oh my God, I've got a huge mess now because when you're the only one doing it, it's fine. But if you need to bring anybody else on, you've got to, you have to have these things as uncomfortable as it is. Yeah. And drama, you have to notice it. It can become so easy to sweep it under the rug and just not. And when you're bringing team on, that is so critical. You know, you bring the new person on and you've already got one person and the one person is now feeling, you know, whatever they feel, they feel their feels. Um, but you have to notice it because if you're not in tune to paying attention to it, it could, it could just go totally out of control. Oh, it can go totally out of control. And it can, it, all it takes is one person who has started it. And then the others are trying to rescue it or trying to make it better. One person to make a whole team go down. I've seen it over and over again. So you have to recognize it and notice it. And we're all playing a part in that. That's mm -hmm. what I hate. What? I didn't mean to. Like, I never thought, like, I used to be a finger pointer at business owners until I was one. And then there was that day. I was like, oh, now they're pointing the finger at me. I'm just still the same person. That's interesting. Dang. And mm. I, I think they kind of go hand in hand the people want to be heard and you have to have self-leadership and you know leading yourself you know that what are the four things lead self lead others lead the organization lead implementation i think are the four you know key that's, ones that's if you awesome. don't lead yourself well if you don't keep your ducks in a row if you don't adapt right then you're not going to listen to anybody else they're not going to be heard they're not going to be heard. happy mm -hmm you're just going to go down a rabbit hole of, you know, self-destruction. Yeah. So Sherry, do you take new clients? Do you want to share information? Oh, where I do. I, but I'm, I'm kind of full right now or what? I've got a full roster of private clients right now. I work with people privately and then I work with them in a group, normally dog business owners, but I also have other, I have a lady who's got a skincare line that um, works with me right now as well. Cause I just naturally attract the people who have dog businesses. Cause that's what I had, but um, yes, I'm always available for a conversation with somebody. And if I'm not the person for them, I might, I probably know the person for them. And but. so um, you'll give me the contact information and I'll put that in the show notes. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. This is Jennifer Takagi and we had the lovely Sherry Boyer today. And this is destined for success because we are all destined for success. Just find your path. I look forward to connecting with you soon. taking your time to spend with me on this latest podcast of Destined for Success. Please take a moment to leave a review, share it with a friend, and subscribe and get the newest episodes every Monday morning. 
I'm Jennifer Takagi, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.